it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. It's a Therapy Tuesday edition as I try to answer a lot of your questions about what's gone wrong for Washington so far. One thing I won't do is just destroy everyone here after only five games. One lesson I've learned covering the NFL for so long is that you never know when a season can turn good or bad. But I also don't want to paint a false picture for you either. It hasn't been pretty on D, and that's a major cause for concern. But yes, you, there are still good building blocks in that, in that organization. So that's what the confounding part here is. Before I get started, one note on the John Gruden resignation stemming from emails sent to Bruce Allen when he was the president here. Like everyone else, I wonder why only those were released. The NFL told me they will not be releasing any emails. They deny being the source of these, the ones that did come out. They also won't be reopening the investigation in the Washington football team. All these emails were part of that investigation. They flagged the Gruden emails. The investigation and the result findings were, well, the findings weren't released. They were communicated. They weren't released. But that, that ended in July. So don't hold your breath on anything changing here. I know the NFLPA wants the NFL to release more. They don't have to, and whatever smoking gun you hope that you hope exists in there, again, the NFL told me that the Gruden ones were the ones they flagged. I don't have any answers to what might be in there, and I know the media won't be able to pressure the NFL into changing their mind about releasing them. So you read a lot of stories about how they should. I'd like to see them released as well because I'm curious like many. I'm still curious about the findings of that investigation too. I'm a reporter. Of course I'm curious. I also know that owner Dan Snyder doesn't use email. It was written about, or it was was an interview with Chick Hernandez. He told them that seven years ago, and it remains true today. He communicates via text. Anyway, I know how all this appears. And again, even if he doesn't use email, he could be the subject and things could be in there. I know that. I know how all this appears. My job here is to just report. I'm not going to speculate what might or might not be on there or motivations for certain information coming out or being withheld. To me, that would be irresponsible, and I just want to report this the way I see fit. Anyway, let's get to your questions. Skins Weekly wants to know, have any have coaches given any reason for Jamin Davis playing 13 snaps with John Bosick out? Yes. A lot of it was just the overall strategy of using five defensive linemen and also wanting five defensive backs on the field. So you can look at this two ways. One, they don't trust him enough to take over for Cole Holcomb on an every down basis. I think that's, there you go. Two, they used Landon Collins as more of a linebacker the other day in terms of how often he was used in the box. I would say it was probably about 98% of the time. That might be one or two percentage points high, but it was around that amount. He was there on almost every snap, with the exception of a couple. The deep touchdown in which he was caught by the quick snap needed to be in a better spot, better position at the snap, of course. The Hail Mary, when they were in a two-deep shell, that was, there was maybe one or two others in the red zone, maybe, but for the most part, he was in the box, just like everybody says they want, and he was playing essentially a linebacker role. So it added up to less time for Jamin Davis. I agree, it's a bit damning. 
I also know that he has a lot to learn. It did work for the defensive line, which had a good game rushing the passer and also against the run. The one touchdown by Kamara occurred because Cole Holcomb was nudged out of his gap. The line did its job. Davis was in on that play, but his responsibility was on the other side, and he played it right. I would think he plays more this weekend because I think the strategy will be different. Reggie Coles, at what point do we start considering Jack Del Rio's job? And he asked about five other questions there, Reggie. I'm only going to get to that one, and I'll hopefully answer the other questions in here as well. Well, it's too early to talk about Del Rio's job as far as if anything's going to happen during the season. The defense got better last year throughout the year, and while – and I know some of it's a schedule, but they still certainly got better. And while they've been bad this season, it's five games. Yes, they're grossly underachieving, but you don't make that move after five games unless you have a conflict in strategy or philosophy or you think there's a big issue in that regard, whether it's with you, the other coaches, with the players, but also who on the staff would take over? I know Ron Revere doesn't want to do this job. He did not like taking over the play calling duties in Carolina. He wants someone to run both sides of the ball so he can be a CEO type and manage the organization. Right or wrong, that's where he's comfortable. And there's nobody on the staff that you'd want taking over. The line has had issues with their coach, Sam Mills. Defensive backs coach Chris Harris has energy, but has been a position coach for less than two years. The linebackers coach Steve Russ has been a position coach for four years, and his group is one that hasn't helped as much. I always felt there was kind of an odd staff. These are Rivera's guys. Del Rio was the only was of that group that I just mentioned. He's the outsider. When Joe Gibbs returned, he let Greg Williams pick his own staff. I think that matters. Now, when I talk to people close to the players, whether friends or agents, I do not get a unanimous disdain for ever, anybody in particular, including Del Rio. I know, I know there are some people who are going to have complaints. I know that. I know the D-line is frustrated with some of what they are asked to do and have been since last year. Some of that stems from what they're asked to do by Del Rio. Some of that is with the position coach. I've been asking a lot of questions over the past couple weeks to people who I feel know things. I don't think the problem is solved by this move at this time. From a fan's perspective, it's multiple years of this. I get it. From Rivera's perspective, they were good last year and they stink this year. If it stays this bad, then yeah, you have to make a move. But again, who would take over? I think that kind of situation would be resolved in the off season, if it needs to be, see where they go from here and then see what it, it could be tweaking something. It could be whatever, but it does pay attention. You do need to pay attention to it because this defense has grossly underachieved. Trey Holston wants to know, are they positioning themselves to go after quarterback this off season, whether through the draft for agency or trade, or is it more likely they buy time build elsewhere until the year after? I know last spring, the feeling was that they, they could wait a year or two and attack when the opportunity was right. When they felt the roster was in really good shape, they also felt they could get through the season with the three quarterbacks they had on the roster, perhaps winning nine or 10 games. I think 10 was the optimum or the high, high level mark. I foolishly went there. That included Fitzpatrick starting almost every game, of course, instead of just half of one game through five games. Now, I do think they'll be aggressive because it's obvious they need a long-term solution here. They know this. How do they get one? I don't know. But I think think they will pursue one in a trade or in the draft. That depends on where they're picking it and who might be available. I also think some of it depends on what Fitzpatrick does down the stretch if he indeed returns and plays. But they know they need a guy. I know they know they need a guy. Taylor Heineke is a terrific story. He has limitations. If all they've done with him is found a good backup, 
that's a win. If all he becomes is a good backup, that's a win for him too. He was in a classroom a year ago. You know, you need that too. And he can make a career out of it for himself just by doing that. I also know that Marty Herney is a guy that loves scouting quarterbacks. So if you see them going after a college quarterback, I think it's going to be with his strong, strong input. That's what he likes to do. And I also say, I know what I've always heard is a couple of years ago, the guy that he liked was Justin Herbert. So take that for what it's worth. He wasn't here. I don't know that it would have changed anything. But the point is that he likes going out and scouting guys. This draft is not great for quarterbacks right now. We'll see what he would see what they think down the road. Mitch Lux wants to know, do you think the answer to the linebacker and safety problem is on the roster? Well, do you? Well, to me, one answer, the big answer is Davis. They did invest a first round pick in the guy. He's a linebacker with athleticism, speed, size. So that, you know, people keep wanting, what's the solution there? That's the solution right there. He's got to improve. He has the talent to improve. To think he's a finished product now is a bit, I'd say, silly. He's played five games. He started one year at Kentucky. I know some teams were scared by the fact that he has a lot of talent, yet couldn't really get much time in the field before last season. And it took a stroke by Chris Oates for him to, for a spot to open up to get him on the field. He's being asked to play the mic, which I know some other teams would not have required him or asked him to do. But you have two former linebackers, NFL linebackers in charge here in, in Rivera and Del Rio. The point is, Davis can improve and he needs to. If he's not playing a lot, uh, if he's not playing a lot more in the second half of the year, man, that's a problem. You'd like to think he'd be doing that now. Again, 19th pick. You've got to get something more out of him. But, you know, so I think let's see how he develops on the stretch. But that's an answer right there. He's he's far better than anything they're going to find on the street. So the answer, develop Davis. At safety, they have DeShazer Everett on the active roster. You can put him in, but he's a player that other teams view as a backup. Would he, he would add a physical presence, which I like, but is he going to change games? You know, I think it'd be hard to say that he would. Am I against him giving a shot? No, I, I'm not. I just think that there's more limitations with that as opposed to a guy like Davis developing because of talent he has. I like Jeremy Reeves at safety. He's on the practice squad. No other team has signed him. The point is there are other names, but are they great solutions? Are you just changing names? I don't know. Again, go ahead and change it. The linebacker, Davis has to improve. He has to. At safety, I think you're going to have to hope that that group starts working better together. They use Collins more in the box. If you go to too deep, give me McCain and Curl back there because I, think, I love Curl's discipline. Anyway, Keith Foster wants to know, what is keeping them from dropping Collins down to linebacker? A big topic. Um, Anyway, last week, that's pretty much what he did outside of a couple of plays. So he and Cam Curl were in the box a lot. Again, almost every snap. They could match up with Alvin Kamara and the tight ends that way. I could see him playing him more in the box. I think that's where his, we all know that's where he's best. I know there was talk about moving him to, or talk about him and linebacker in the offseason. And I know that was a discussion they had. The pitch has always been, we'll call you safety but you're going to give you a linebacker responsibilities. I think that's kind of what's been happening at times when they go to those three safety sets. One of them is a linebacker. If you have five, li five linemen and one linebacker, there's someone else in a linebacker spot. That's just the way it is. So he's already kind of doing that to a degree. But again, I'm with you. If you start, if they start playing a lot of two deep safeties and he's always back there, I think that's, that's not where you want him. That's not where he's best. I understand that. We all understand that. All right, Kevin wants to know, by now the coaches certainly know the defense is a liability. 
Why not change the play calling on offense to better protect the defense, running the ball far more, eliminate turnovers, focus on time of possession. Kevin, you're singing my tune. Not, I'm not a big, always, you have to run the ball more guy. That's Chris Russell. It's not me. I think with offense, you do what you do best and you go with it. If it's running a lot, balance in the NFL is not 50-50 pass run. It's what kind of passes are you calling? What kind of runs are you calling? If you're only calling a couple styles of run and a couple styles of throws, that's not balance. Um, anyways, but I felt the same way after the Bills game that you, know, you got to give Antonio Gibson the ball more. You got to remove the pressure off from Taylor Heineke. I think Heineke throws can, can have some nice games, but I think asking him to throw a lot, you're flirting with a lot more turnovers. Washington, their offense lacks an identity, perhaps because they're inconsistent with the run game, but I don't think they need to be. And I can, I can almost guarantee that the offensive line is going to agree with what I'm saying here. They always want to run the ball more, and I do think they get frustrated when they don't. Maybe they don't want to lean on Antonio Gibson so much because of his shin. But, yeah, the goal needs to be to reduce turnovers, give the D more help by possessing the ball. Now, you can possess the ball with the pass game as well. But also, if you possess the ball and you don't score – irrelevant because as we saw with this defense teams can score like that um so it depends on what you're throwing though as well expecting heineke to suddenly become less careful the ball it's not going to happen so don't expect it to generational fan wants to know do you think the coaching and front office understand they're not a competing team yet and last year was more about other teams injuries and how good they were good quite or not how good they were that's a good question. I do think they view themselves as being a year or two away from legitimately contending for what they really want, which is a the, the ultimate trophy, the Super Bowl. That much I can say with comfort. And I know they entered this season wanting to be much better at the end of the year than the beginning. Every team wants that. But I think they knew it would be a tougher start with the schedule, with some new parts on D, and a new quarterback. And they knew it was going to be tougher because of the schedule. I know that, too. And it was mentioned at times not enough people heard it or wrote it. And I, I know I mentioned it quite a bit to you guys and in, in, in ESPN that the schedule that schedule is going to make it harder. I did not, not, not anticipate this kind of cratering by the D. They knew it would be a tougher start with the schedule and some new parts, et cetera. But no way did they anticipate this start, neither did I. And I know they viewed that Tampa Bay game last year the playoffs as a sign they were headed in the right direction because of how close the game was compared to other teams the Bucks beat. A little bit surprised at how often they I heard that, to be honest, but you know, they saw the D as one that could be, really be good because look at the young players they have. Why wouldn't they think that? And look at who they added a good corner, William Jackson. Why wouldn't you think that? They drafted a first-round linebacker. So the parts were there. So I think they understood where they were at in their development that this was still a building process. But I definitely, definitely think they thought the defense would be much better. Paul Barkley, why is the defense not playing two high safeties and keeping things in front? Buffalo had great success last night with it, meaning against the Chiefs on Sunday night. Um, this seems to be an issue with giving up big plays, et cetera. Okay. Hey, Paul. All right. I'm going to give you one stat before I get into this, but according to ESPN stats and info, Washington's played a cover two 27 times. They're allowing 11 yards per pass attempt. That's second worst in the league. By comparison, New England is a lot, has the fewest um, snaps in cover two at 11. The Saints are second. The Saints have an excellent D, so it's not about cover two, cover one. But they do, the Saints have, though, are really, really good corners who make it work. Anyway, they again, they played that, and they've given up some plays off it. Sunday, I like the strategy, and here's why. They went to man coverage against a team whose receivers they felt they could cover one-on-one. -on -one. I agree with that. They can't do this every week and allow, you know, because it, you just can't. And we'll see Sunday. They went for it Sunday, but I'll get to that in a minute. They'd be a disaster. 
but allowed them to go with five D linemen, 32 of the 55 snaps. Pass rush was good because of it. Jameis Winston was sacked seven times the first four games, twice on Sunday while pressured in some hurried or bad throws. Matt Ioannidis had a great day rushing the passer. I thought Chase Young was really good. He's starting to rush the way they hoped. Um, with the exception of one run, they controlled Alvin Kamara on the ground. Of course, as you know, that run counts. It counted as seven points. It was a touchdown. So that matters quite a bit. And the Hail Mary, two deep safeties. It wasn't about where they were lined at the snap. It was about how they failed to adjust when it became clear it was a Hail Mary. Yeah, you could have had him back a bit deeper. I get that. But at a certain point, you knew it was a Hail Mary. The other long TD wasn't on them being in a single high. It was because the player who was supposed to be there wasn't ready at the snap. If they had been, the play doesn't occur. I'm not making excuses for him. It's just what I see when I rewatch. Now, against Kansas City, I'd expect more two deep looks. It's a game-by-game -game thing, I think, with this. The Chiefs can kill you with big plays consistently, so playing single high, man, or even cover three is going to be disastrous for them. They go to two deep, again, to me, McCain and Cam Curl. Landon, Landon Collins in the box. Landon's more undisciplined deep. I'd be concerned with him being overly aggressive. Get him in the box. All right, last one. Patrick Gallagher wants to know, do you feel this season is wasted because they're not developing a young quarterback? Well, it's certainly starting to feel that way right now, right? Yeah, I mean, but let's see how the second half of the year goes. But I get your point and your sentiment. This was supposed to be about building out the roster and plugging a quarterback in for 2022. If they have a strong second half of the year, then no, it's not wasted. But if they don't have a strong finish, then it makes me wonder what went wrong. Their bigger problem, what went wrong in terms of player evaluation, coaching, scheme, whatever. It all has to be under the microscope at that point. That would represent a major issue. And you will be in a better spot to draft a quarterback. But as of now, it's not exactly a great class. Again, Marty Herney's out there scouting all this stuff. I don't know what they think of these quarterbacks at this point. Um, I know what the perception is at this point. So would they, would they opt to hold off again and take another position? Can't imagine they go another year without addressing quarterback. They know they need one. The ideal situation to me is to get someone on a rookie contract so they can keep that defensive line together. But the best answer might come via trade. If they go, say, 5-12, and 12, then they're further away than we thought entering the season, and they, they're going to need to do something to get fans back. I do think the talent on D is much better than what they've shown this far. Someone else asked me if they should have hope. Again, I think there's some good young talent on this team. That hasn't changed. That D-line is still really good and can be very good. When people asked me last year if they had turned, it, have turned this around, I pointed to this year as the key. We'd know more about really if they had turned around, if they could build on 2020 because teams in the past, they haven't built on success. And I wouldn't call 7-9 a great year and successful, all that, but it was a good finish. And they need to build on that. And so far, they haven't. I can't tell you that there's absolutely no hope. And I'm willing at this point to see where the season goes. I, I need to stay level-headed because, again, 12 games are left. You, it's way too early to throw everything away. And it's too early to say you can't have hope. But we also need to see better results to say why you should. Anyway, that's it for me. A lot of mail was delivered. I didn't raise my rates like others have. So there you go. I apologize for you only hearing my voice tonight. But I felt like it's important to get through as many questions as possible. So thank you for tuning in. I'll be back on Friday with another episode devoted to this game on Sunday. But I also have some barbecue talk from some folks in Kansas City that I'm excited to share. Talk to you next time.